you got to be aggressive, man. Yeah. Like if, if you want shit to change, you got to make moves. And hopefully, you know, you've seen how I do things here, right? <laughs> so that was an example of you kind of stepping in your role and saying, all right, this is my, this is my gig. I'm going to, I'm going to optimize our international business. And this looks like a really unique opportunity. You did a bunch of due diligence and, you know, it, it did not, did not pan out how you wanted it to. And it came to the point where, um, you finally had to Roger up and, and face the music and to yeah. come tell Mal and I, and, and, you know, for anyone that's in that position, the best course of action there is just to, to man up, um, come in say, Hey, I, I fucked this up. I thought it was going to work for X, Y, Z, but we, we gotta, we gotta reset this. Um, and that's fine. And obviously we received it totally fine because yeah. I understand how dynamic that is. And it's, you know what I mean? There's no crystal ball that can tell you, you can only do so much due diligence and then you got to take a shot at it. You're listening to the Born Primitive Podcast. All right. Good morning, everybody. And welcome back to the Born Primitive Podcast. Uh, really excited about today's episode. I'm here with my co-host and vice president, Tony Strazier. And believe it or not, today's episode is actually going to be about Tony. So this will be an easy one for us. No need to rehearse this one. And, and what we want to talk about in today's episode um, is Tony came in a few years ago as just a hourly warehouse employee in a hot human warehouse with no air conditioning and has risen up as we've grown as a company and is now uh, the vice president. And after kind of talking with Tony about this, we realized there's a lot of themes we can extract uh, from your story. And particularly for those listening that, you know, have careers right now um, during this podcast, I want to offer some insight as kind of a CEO, someone on the other side of it, some things that I look at, you know, when I, when I look at employees and um, hopefully offer some tips on, on the things you can do at the workplace, um, you know, to, 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 to climb that ladder and, and ascend in your career. And many of these lessons will also apply outside the office. So it won't just be all encompassing to, you know, the professional side. So Tony, uh, welcome. Thank you. Yeah. All right. So let's rewind. Um, your brother came in. What, what year was this? It's all blurred to me. This now. would have been 2019. Yeah. 2019. So four, four and a half, four and a half years okay. ago is when he probably. And just to frame it up, some of you probably tuned in already um, got the intros on us, but uh, Tony was a Pennsylvania guy, just, just a hillbilly from Pennsylvania. Uh, whatever your parents did um, raising you guys, they did something right because you strangers are a unique bunch. And, uh, you know, and I'll, I'll leave it at that. Uh, but in a really imp impressive and, and incredible way. Then you played Division One baseball at yep. West Virginia. And then you were going to dabble in the strength and conditioning world, kind of realized it wasn't for you. Kind of found yourself in Virginia Beach without a plan. And, you know, uh, the guys were mentioned, hey, maybe go talk to Born Primitive. Um, and that led your brother to come talk to me. Um, in the old warehouse, um, the, the, the crappy one that, that we were in. And um, he came in, I think it was on a Friday, no one else was in there. And uh, we had just hired, I don't know if you remember this, we had just hired three employees. I think we, we, we had five employees and we hired like six, seven, and eight. Yeah. And he came in, you know, he, he obviously spoke highly of you. And he said, hey, we don't want any handouts. I just think like if you talk to him, he's a good dude and he'll work his butt off. Um, and, uh, you know, obviously no expectations. And I told him, dude, if you had come in here a week ago, like we literally just hired three people. We went from, you know what I mean? Like that's damn it. Like you should, yeah. you should have called me last week. And I kind of deliberated on it. I said, all right, screw it. Bring him in. L let me at least talk to the guy. And then you came into the warehouse and, uh, I don't know, a week later. And I remember, I mean, this is how I remembered at least I gave you a very brutally honest, um, synopsis of what your job would be. <laughs> I said, hey, man, I don't have a spot, a permanent spot for you right now, but I can tell you this, you know, we're a growing company. We're ascending really fast. I can imagine in six to 12 months, the dynamic here will be totally different than it is right now. So if you're willing to kind of cut your teeth in the warehouse and, you know, make a not very good hourly wage and it's going to be hot and, you know, what I mean? it's going to be a kind of a, a thankless job for a while. If you're willing to do that, um, there might be opportunities that, that, that open up. But for now, that's all I can do. Um, and, and you took, you took it right. And, uh, you know, kind of, as we say, the rest is history. So I guess from your standpoint, you know, what, what were you thinking when you went from being this division one collegiate athlete, you know, with a degree, you know, pr probably maybe a fun and exciting career in strength and conditioning, which would have probably felt closer to that college, you know, you know, the, yeah. the dynamic of being collegiate athlete, you're around it. And the strength coaches, like it would be a fun career. And now you're a hourly employee. You're probably what, 25. I was. 23 at the time. So, you know what I mean? You're probably thinking maybe I'm a bit overqualified for this, right? Yeah. I imagine you definitely were. So, you know, what was your, you know, what was your frame of mind when, when things kind of started rolling? 
Yeah, it's it's interesting because I had been I'd been humbled by life a little bit at that point. Uh, and let let me unpack that is as a college athlete, we we were kind of we were big fish in a small pond growing up. As in, like we, my brother and I, my older brother and I were were really good athletes, uh, three sport athletes, and my ego had got a little bit inflated. Now, not in some like way that you would have looked at me and been like, man, that, that kid's so cocky, but I then got to college. So a- after small town, backwoods, Pennsylvania, kind of crushing every sport we played and even school was so simple. And we never took books home. Like we didn't study, we still got straight A's, um, got to college and playing in the big 12. It was, it was a different game, a different level. And, and to be blunt, I was not ready for it. Like even just looking at how we, had trained in high school, you'll laugh at this because our strength conditioning coach, you're doing, you're doing uh, eight sets of 12 bench press as a <laughs> baseball player. And it's like, what the, <laughs> never in a million years would you ever program that for a kid going to play baseball? But they, they didn't know what they were doing. Now they, they could get you strong, but as far as sports specific training, they had no clue what they were doing. So I get to college and to be honest, the wheels started falling off, both like literally my body was falling apart. I had severe back pain. Um, was not able to perform was still so gritty that like I would I worked my ass off like no one would ever say I didn't work hard but like as far as a skill level and then as far as my body like living or, or being able to compete at that level the wheel started falling off and I say that all because that's part of the story why when I showed up and sat across from you there really wasn't any expectation on my end other than like I will do I will enter any environment and work my ass off because I'm scrambling right now. Like I, I told you, I had moved to Virginia Beach to to get an internship at a pretty high level performance facility that's doing a lot of cool things. And they picked somebody over top me. So even that was just another knock of like, hey, you, you're not as good as you think you are. And and I didn't, once again, it's not like I had an inflated ego, but things had, things had worked out up until like those prior three years of my life. So sitting across the table from you, I had been kind of fucked by life a little bit. And I say that almost jokingly that like, I was at a point dealing with anxiety of like, who am I? And like, what, 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 what is my next step? Because it's tough. And especially as a guy, when, when you're kind of squandering a little bit or you're floating around and, and, and things aren't clear and you'd been had sports your whole life, that's hard to not know what, what your next step is. So I, I can truly say I was, I was thrilled. I was thrilled to have an opportunity because I, I did have a sense that something special was going on there. And there's like trusting your gut that like, even when I first heard Born Primitive, when I was in Virginia Beach, cause at that time you guys were starting to get some traction. People were starting to know who you were. I, I had poked around on the website, done some research and it, and it, it, it really, it, it was like my instinct saying like, there's something here. Now there's a funny story there that you know that somebody had introduced me to Mao, who is our, the other co-founder and COO. And she flat out said, like, I'm not hiring a guy. No, maybe he can go work at the print shop who's like not affiliated with Born Primitive What was her reasoning for not hiring a guy? Well, there Hopefully was only, that doesn't get us there, sued. There were, only, there were only female employees at the time yeah. in the warehouse. And she thought it would be a distraction to, to, to hire a guy. I wonder why. Yeah, to hire a guy in the warehouse. So that, that was even, once again, another kind of like knock was that like I'd gotten excited. That, oh, this, this company, like maybe there's opportunity for me here. I'd always felt like learning the business world is is something that can then translate to so many different environments. So that was enticing to then right away just get shut down and be like, nope, I'll introduce you to the print shop guy. Maybe he'll hire you. It's kind of like, damn. So was 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 serving tables, bartending um, at some restaurant that I didn't give a shit about when, like you said, my brother sat down with you. So when he said, hey, man, he, wa- he wants to meet with you, there 100% was still the thoughts of like, Hey, you're not going to be making a ton of money. This is not going to be glorious. But to me, it was, it was at least something. It was like a life raft that like I've been looking for, where at least there was something to work towards then. So yeah, yeah, that, that's a moment I think back on a lot because my mentality really was. And then I saw how that played out in the workplace. Like it was, you are gonna, you're gonna make this work because there's something here. So pull with that thread, do whatever you have to do. Like curb your curb your ego, um, have a high level of humility because there, there's potential here, and, and those situations are rare. And now, looking back at that, it it is strange how, and I don't know if you would agree with this. Like the universe at times opens up with an opportunity, but it doesn't seize it for you. You have to take that initiative, and and it takes a level of awareness to be able to see. And and I even see that play out here now when like 
something you know is right. Like you, you know, oh shit, that's, that's an opportunity we should pull at, we should pull the thread at. And, and having the internal kind of like intuitiveness and, and also just having that compass to, to guide you, you learn to say yes to those moments. And then you also learn that, hey, you need to lean in and put a ton of hard work in though to bring that to life. Yeah, no, it's it's funny. First point I'll make. It's funny how uh, it's like the ask mom, and if she says no, just ask dad. It sounds like <laughs> see, y'all definitely that, play that, that card. Exactly I, it, yeah. I probably wouldn't track it at yeah, all. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude, you got a job, and you better work your butt off. And then I go tell Mal, hey, we I tired this Tony guy, and she's like, the well, same she, one I said no to. And she was in she was in France at the time because they were doing the the French throwdown. Hey, yeah, the universal line yeah, sometimes. Exactly. Man. exactly. Um, and then she probably gave me crap for that. You didn't run that by me. <laughs> yeah, I can hear it right now. Um, but, uh, no, it, it was cool, man, because you came in, um, and, um, it's interesting to hear that perspective. I haven't, I haven't heard that before. Cause from my optic, it was like, all right, division one athlete, college degree. And like, I'm offering him a warehouse position. Like he might think he might have a little bit of entitlement of like, this is, um, you know, above me, uh, or below me, sorry. And, uh, and, and you didn't project that externally, but I yeah. thought in the back of my mind, Hey, this might, you know, be something this guy isn't that stoked about, uh, in the long run and very quickly was able to see, um, you know, through your actions that that was far from the truth and that you, you took it head on. And it was one of those things like, all right, whatever the job is that I'm doing, I'm going to apply myself and work my butt off and make it, um, noticeable through my actions, not by, you know, pounding my chest and saying, look how hard I'm working. It was just, you know, I was able to easily observe that. And I would remember, you know, cause that's when we had the gym across the way. And I know we've mentioned this before, but I'd be in there hitting my evening workout um, and everyone will have left. And then I'd look across the doors and I'd see you like sweeping the floor at seven o'clock at night. And it's like, those are the little things that matter. So if you're an employee and you know, you're, you're thinking, why aren't you getting recognized by the boss? I would recommend do some self-reflection on, on what are you doing that's above and beyond the standard? Um, because that's how you're going to climb. Now, not to say you can't have a good career by doing what's asked of you, but if you really want to be aggressive and, and, and stand out amongst your peers, you have to be able to do things like that. And that takes humility. Yeah. Right. Uh, the, the sweeping the floors analogy, I, you know, I think that's something that has been instilled in me in a, in a few different teams that I've been a part of. But most recently in the military, you know, I remember we had a command master chief who was a very accomplished individual in the military world. I'll leave it at that. And I remember on a Friday afternoon when most guys would be have gone and, you know, got their their weekend you know, the CMC was out in the hallway pushing a broom. And this dude is like a bad dude that he, he needs no introduction and he could absolutely be like, no, somebody else can do that. And he was the only one in the hallway pushing a, a broom, right? And that was the coolest thing to see that, that 25 years in, this guy still has that same mentality. So I think humility goes a long way and you've continued to carry that. Um, when it, I, I think, why are you sweeping? That's, that's the big question too, because I, I can honestly say in those beginning stages, I was not doing it because I wanted to be seen. I was doing it because I knew it was the right thing to do. And like, I cared so much about, about seizing that opportunity that I was going to do anything that I know needed done almost, almost to an unhealthy degree where I was working and, and shout out Nicole B. Cause I feel like she was the same. She's still our uh, director of fulfillment. If there were things to do, I was going to do it. It didn't matter what time it was. It didn't matter if we had to show up on a Saturday, show up on a Sunday. But the why was for the right reasons. If you're sweeping because you know the CEO is going to be over there lifting, that will get sniffed out eventually. He may think at first like, oh, wow, that person's that person's over there sweeping. But over time, they're going to start to pick up on that. Wait, they do that only when people are watching. And then what I can say, though, is like, and, and once again, Nicole B was a huge part of this as well, is we were doing it because we hadn't, I, and I'll speak for myself, not her, but she's a close friend is I hadn't defined exactly who I was yet. So I, I had my ego in that workplace was, was, was kind of humbled. And it was like, no, I, I want to make sure I'm contributing to this environment. And we could go deeper too. that. Like my dad very much instilled that in us of like, and we grew up in a shit area where like, it's, it's, you either work at the prison or you're in the prison. That's what everyone says. Cause it's so bad. Um, and so if there's one thing my, my dad drilled into my brothers and I, it's like, be the hardest worker in the room, but do it for the right reasons. And that, that is something in those beginning stages. And even now I see as a senior leader is that you can sniff out when people are helping to be seen and just to get the recognition or the, the flip of that is you can, you can sense when, Hey, this person's doing it for the right reasons, because 
their internal compass is telling them it's the right thing to do. And those are two very different things. And I think that's worth distinguishing. And, and of course, you want to be seen. You want, you want to get recognition. That, that's all natural. But if that's, your only, if that's the only thing you're trying to do, that's going to get sniffed out eventually. Totally. And yeah, it, it will get exposed because it'll, it won't align at some point when the yeah. actual output is not lining up with like the, 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 the intangible things you think you're witnessing. So yeah. that's totally legit. Um, and I think one thing that to pull out of this is recognizing opportunity and there's no manual, there's no way to, it has to be instinctual. And I think I told you, Hey man, I'm biased, but I think what's going on here, there's some magic that you know, as the years play out is going to reveal that. And I think like, we safe to say yeah. it, it, that was true. And I think you believed in that and that's why you were willing to take a chance. Yeah. Um, so for people that are in different organizations, try to zoom out and see, you know, the direction of the organization, how big it, it is it, um, the career ascension, what, what that looks like. Um, because it might sound cool to go work for Google or, you know, in a very established like fortune 500 company, but when there's 5,000 employees and you're a tiny little cog in a really big wheel, the, the opportunity there might actually be quite less than maybe taking a chance on a startup where you're in the trenches with like six or seven people and you see the vision and you know, all right, if I apply myself, I can ascend to become a vice president in four years where at the other company that would take me 30. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I'd be working, you know, I wouldn't be fulfilled because it's like, it's almost like in established companies, some of it is, it's, it's almost easier because everything has been established right? Yeah. Well, we're, it's the wild frontier, man. Like we, there's no SOPs. We're still establishing the business. We don't know what the hell we're doing. You know what I mean? So like you have to be cut out for, for that uncertainty. And as we've seen, like there's some people that come in that really thrive in that. I don't want to say we have a lack of structure, but it, there's definitely a little bit of pickup basketball and pivoting. And like, we got to figure it out on the fly versus like, if you go work for Coca-Cola, I would imagine it's like, okay, here's your desk and here's your, like your KPIs and like you do good things. And you know what I mean? Like it's, well, it's, and, a, it's just a totally different environment. And I guess knowing, you know, when that opportunity is there and when to really lean into it and say, all right, this is unique and I'm going to, I'm going to go for it and give it a few hard years and then reassess. Well, and there's, I would be naive if I said part of this wasn't luck because even looking at my life now with, with a partner and a 15-month-old and another one on the way in two months, I couldn't have done what I did then. So that's a huge part of me looking at that. Like, yes, hard work. Yes, humility. Yes, resilience. But the timing, and, and once again, though, it's it's funny how those things work out. And, and if you seize opportunities, the timing seems to be there because I, I, I didn't have much going on at that time. My, my brother even was was overseas a lot. So I just had a lot of time to really dig in and, and put all of my effort into this. So it, it leads back to what you said of, of whether you're looking to make a career pivot or you're fresh out of college looking to enter the workforce. It's about recognize or, or defining what type of environment best suits your lifestyle. Because if you have the freedom, it's like, that would be my first recommendation is find a, and I could give you the exact revenue numbers of a company within this range, because it is a pressure cooker and it's going to suck and there, there will be some chaos that you're going to have to navigate, but you're going to build a skill set. what I would say four or five X it would take in the corporate world. Now, if you're 35, you have three kids and you're looking to make another pivot, you may want to go the corporate route simply for the fact that things are more defined, your work hours, everything is going to be carved out. So yeah, that's, that's on each individual to kind of recognize and know because it's not for everyone. And looking back at, at my trajectory here, it's like, I, I wouldn't even recommend that to a lot of people. Now, certain people, I'd be like, hell yeah, that's exactly what you need because you don't have a skill set. I did not. You you have nothing else going on. I did not. And it's like, so dig in, build a skill set so that if nothing else, you're confident in your ability, regardless of what environment you're in. But that happens much quicker at, at a company like we were or at the size we were at. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. If you go into a company that's smaller, the, the advantage you have is you are getting exposed to so many different components of the business, right? So it's like when I was at Red Bull doing marketing for them, really cool, awesome experience, but I had a very narrow lane. Now I got to see other parts of the marketing wheel, digital marketing, athlete marketing. And, you know, so I, I, I knew enough to be dangerous, but I had a very specific job and I was measured by that. And you know what I mean? I got very good at that, but that was it. Right. Or, or any other, that applies to anything else. And for you, it's like, all right, we're doing fulfillment, but then you're around everything else. And then before you know it, you're doing like international business. So you're learning how to like import and tariffs and this and that, and that tax, you're becoming a supply subject, chain, supply chain. You're and becoming subject matter, subject matter expert on that. And then 
obviously now you're exposed to everything, so social media, and now you're savvy on digital advertising, which is a huge part of our business. So finance. In, yeah. in, in, in an established, you know, major company, you would you would have no clue what's going on in any of those, and you would have a very narrow scope of work and skill set. Um, so if you you're leaving that opportunity to go get another one, like you, you know, obviously you're still employable, but you're um, you're not casting as wide of a net on what you can do. And now you know, hope you don't leave us. But now you can go out and say, all right, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this. Oh, yep, digital advertising, check, got it. You know what I mean? And yeah, you become a pretty a pretty dangerous and versatile uh, individual. So I think that's another component of it. And I think another theme from, from this is to, to hammer home is the, the instant gratification concept that we see so much. And it, it yeah, obviously there's turnover with any company, right? And, and when we have employees leave, it, I, I, I don't take it personal anymore. I think in the early years when I just didn't know any better, to me, it was like, all right, what did I, how did I fail them? That the fact mm-hmm. they wanted to leave and go somewhere else or pursue another opportunity. And I quickly realized that everyone has different life circumstances. And as since people aren't owning the business, it's very hard to create that like diehard mentality that, all right, it's, it's, it's ride or die here. And, you know, we're all in on this. Uh, people are in different phases of their life. But I think one thing that was disappointing is I feel like a lot of people weren't patient enough to see the process play out and they'd be six months in and expect like a promotion. And it's like, Hey, in the grand scheme of things, like, you know what I mean? Mal and I didn't even pay each other for the first five and a half years. Right. And I got people that are like 24 years old that are six months in, like asking for like a promotion. It's like, all right, compared, like you haven't done anything. Good job. Like keep doing your thing. But, but the instant gratification and almost entitlement component became very frustrating because I was the opposite. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you know, bootstrap this thing, scrappy attitude, um, be, be humble, you know, prove yourself, you know, in over a, a period of time. And, and that was hard for me because, you know, you know, I'm, I'm a bit old school and I'd have to kind of hold my tongue in those moments. So I didn't say my true feelings, but you took the opposite approach. You realized, Hey, this is not going to be an overnight thing. Um, but if, but if you apply yourself and, uh, and you do it the right way, it could turn out into something significant. Yeah. I think, Patience is a huge part of that, like just pure patience of we get caught up in the day to day and and it does relate to instant gratification. We get so caught up in the day to day hum that we want things to happen faster than they naturally will unfold. And what I mean by that is you can do something. We've all done it. You do something for four months and you now start, you're talking to everyone about it. You act as if you're a subject matter expert. And it's like, yeah, you've dipped your toes and you, and you, you do, you can talk about it now. You've spent some time in there, but four months after that, usually you'll look back and say like, I was an idiot. So I say that because the patience comes in where to like, Hey, let this process unfold. If I think I know, let's wait another couple months because I probably don't know as much as I think I do. And if you let that play out over time, not only is, does that show senior leadership that like, Hey, he's not here just to like, he, he's not all the time, like expecting something else like that, that instant gratification. He has the patience to sink in and realize that like, okay, I'm developing a skill set, And, and if I look at my experience compared to people who've been doing this for a long time, it's completely insignificant. And I kept that in mind the whole time of like, yes, this place is a grinder or a pressure cooker. We're doing so much. We're working a ton. But in the grand scheme of things, I still have very little experience. And I need to keep that in mind because it's easy to start to convince yourself that you know more than you do. And that, once again, that will get sniffed out because people that are seasoned have gone through those different seasons of the business. And they kind of, they felt the ebb and flow. They felt those times where, yeah, I had it figured out. But then they've got their knees chopped out from underneath them. And, and you start to learn that like, hey, don't get... Don't get too too excited or too down on anything because this is a bit of a, a, a wave and a flow. And I say that because I felt those exact feelings. I, I remember when I when I filled in as head of international growth, ooh, I got a new title. I, I'm I'm out of the warehouse. Like the big dog. Yeah. I, I felt I felt my ego start to inflate a little bit. And I realized even on calls with other people, because I had that title now. So I, I I'm on calls with people and I'm realizing I'm talking as if I know anything about this because I have that title and I'm scared that if they sniff that out, they may think I'm a joke. And I I remember this and I was like, okay, I have two options. I can keep pretending or I can have the humility to say, I actually don't know anything about this and, and let that humility, although still be confident, still be confident that you're somebody that can hold a conversation with anyone in any setting. 
have the humility to ask questions and be curious as opposed to pretend like you know what you're talking about. And that was a conscious decision for me because as you know, that landscape is tricky. And even now I spent a lot of time managing the international side and still am involved in it. There are so many layers to, to international sales and international tax compliance and international import and export that it was a, a moment that I'll always remember because as soon as it shifted from pretending to curiosity, everything opened up. And, and what you and you know this is that people that have real knowledge, grounded knowledge in, in over tens of years or decades, 10 years, 20 years, they love sharing knowledge, but you have to be curious for the right reasons in order for them to share it. So instead of hopping on these calls and, and, and trying to talk a good game and, and well, this is where we're doing this amount of revenue and, and we want to project here. It's like, I would just get curious about like, hey, what did your experience look like? What, how did you, how did you learn international tax compliance? And, and what steps would you take if you were in my shoes? And instead, it, all of a sudden, then I'd have an hour long conversation where I'm taking two pages of notes from some guy over in the Netherlands. And it's like, okay, now I know where to go learn more about. But if I hadn't had the humility to say like, hey, I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Like, why not get curious instead? I would have handcuffed myself. And, and I see that play out still with people where it's like, guys, don't, you don't ever need to pretend. Like, yes, it's good to be a subject matter expert, but if you don't know, don't pretend to know unless it's absolute dire need because that stifles curiosity. And then once again, people that are seasoned, they will sniff that out. And and when they sniff that out, it kind of shuts them down to you because one, it's it's similar to like you're you're sweeping only because the CEO's over there. It's like, hey, you're not doing this for the right reasons anymore, and you're doing this more to to inflate your ego than you are to to truly learn and develop yourself as a human and as a as an employee. Yeah, you can never be too um, scared to ask questions. There's so no. many there's so many times where you know we're, we're doing meetings and stuff, and then there's probably acronyms that get thrown <laughs> around where it's like I know what the, I know what the hell that is. I remember. A couple of years ago, we were getting ready to like potentially take on like private equity investments. And I was on one of the calls and the acronym EBITDA, you know, which is basically for those who don't know, it's like basically like profit, profit for your business, but just a fancier version. And I was like, wait, what the hell's EBITDA? You know what I mean? And everybody started laughing. And I was like, this dude's like running a very large company. Yeah, yeah. And you know what I mean? Like a Yale guy and he doesn't know what EBITDA is. And yeah. I, I kind of laughed like, hey guys, I don't, I don't live in this world. So then, yeah. you know, they... It's like you can't you can't be afraid to uh, you know be a little humble and ask those obvious questions and and that's how you learn yeah. and honestly as we know half the time so many other people in the room are thinking the same thing 100%. you know what I mean and they're like 100%. thank God he asked yeah. like we all know how that was yep. um, I, I think I was that guy in school I was always up in front asking way too many questions in math <laughs> class but it's like you all didn't know that answer anyway so don't yeah. be giving me crap yeah <laughs> um, yeah I think you know one of the, one of the the things that's been cool to see is, is you evolve with, with the changing roles, right? Because you were warehouse and then were you supply chain for a while? Well, I, can, so well, I mean, I started, I started simply in like f fulfillment specialist, then went to what Brendan does now, yeah. which was like, it would be like inventory, super inventory control supervisor. Then during COVID was kind of like an interim warehouse manager for a while. Um, of course, Nicole was still, um, the warehouse manager, but she, she was pregnant at the time. So was working for home. So as far as like boots on the ground in the warehouse, um, that, that I was warehouse manager or interim while there, and then went to the international side of things that's when I finally came to, to HQ. Yeah. And, and I want to pause there because we have an incredible environment here at born primitive. And the fact that like the employees, there's a work ethic that has been instilled. Everyone that comes in here kind of is war kind of wired the same. So I don't want to make this sound like the other employees haven't been working their butt off. However, just to put this in context, I want to frame up what I witnessed during the warehouse transition during COVID between main, you know, there's a lot of other people, but the biggest hitters were you and Nicole B. Right. And from what I remember, this is a few years ago, but Saturday, Sunday for like, I don't know, 10 weekends in a row, it's a hundred degrees out. And you guys were helping this transition to a new warehouse, mm -hmm. which ended up being a total shit show for, all kinds of different reasons. We don't need to get into that, but it was like, you guys were literally there all Saturday, all sunny. You'd roll right into the next work week and Nicole being the savage she is. I mean, she had like, you know, a couple kids and like, yeah, like, it's just, yeah. I, I don't know how, I don't know when she slept, you know, the kids would get sick and she'd be up all night and she'd show up on Monday, ready to rock, looking exhausted, but, but getting it. And like, that was the, that was the level of effort it took. Um, you know, it wasn't just an above average effort and it was an exceptional effort. And, you know, sometimes that's what it takes, man. Um, and, and of course, you, you don't want that to be permanent. 
and, and I don't want I don't want to give the the false um, comfort that all right if I just put my head down for a year straight and work my butt off like great things will happen. I think that theme is true. Um, if you if you apply yourself, if you be humble and you and you work your butt off, I think you will be throughout your life constantly improving your fighting position. But there are also going to be times where you might be in an environment where you're, you're where your work is not getting recognized, right? And and maybe particularly bigger companies, whereas like me, you know, a lot of times you are recognized based on how well your manager promotes you to like his senior, his or her senior people, right? And if, if that person sucks and they're not doing what, you know, they're not, you know, sticking up for you in the meetings and, and highlighting the good work you're doing, you know, down below, you know, one level below, you could actually be working your butt off for four years straight and you'll get a single promotion because the person above you isn't doing their job. So there is definitely a time, I think, to pivot out and go seek other opportunities. Um, and, and I think as, as an individual, you have to be constantly assessing, you know, what that dynamic is. And one more thing I'll add on the employee side is like, be vocal about where you want to go. You know what I mean? Don't be quiet. Um, you know, it'll be annoying, but be assertive in letting your senior manager know where you want to go in the organization. And if they're not good, go around them. You know what I mean? I, I, I'd like to say, don't always jump the chain of command, but there's a time to go into the boss's 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 office and say, Hey, I'm not being recognized right now. I want you, I want you to know where I'm at right now, where I'm, where I want to go in this organization. And here's what I'm willing to do. You know what I mean? And take yeah. a little bit of risk and do that. And that's happened with me. And it's been awesome of like, Hey, right on. Like I, now I'm tracking where, you know, the, you know, how you've lined up your compass and, you know, we'll, we'll try to make that happen. But you know, it's definitely now in, in the back of my mind and something I'll keep note of. Well, and, and you should have undeniable proof to support what you're putting in front of your, your, your boss or your boss's bosses. And, and what I mean by that is like have undeniable proof that you can fill into that role or you can, you can achieve or, or succeed within that role because if not, if you don't have that proof, you're going to seem delusional. And that, that is, that's dangerous as well, where, and it creates kind of a weird environment. If, if you, if you're a little out of touch with where you want to go, you're going to come across as out of touch. So make sure like run that by you, your manager and even your friends and talk through the, that situation. Because if you present a, a good case, it's exactly what you just said is like, that gives management like, hey, this person's driven. They know where they're going, and I think that they have the 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 evidence to support that they would do well in that role. Whereas the opposite of that is you, you're kind of looking, you, you're you're looking for that that next rung, but you haven't built the skill set yet yet to get there, and then that comes across a little delusional. So and what one and that shouldn't scare you from from still wanting to get there, but have those sounding boards that you're able to run by where you think you should be or, or where you think you should be in the near future. And if you get if you get positive feedback from people you trust who you know aren't afraid to, to tell you, hey, you might be a little off, if you get positive feedback then, yeah, that's, that's super important is like be willing to sell yourself, be willing to have those conversations because a lot of times the people above you, like it's not that they're not taking the time to think about that, but they have so much going on that that it actually makes their lives easier when people are very clear and concise about where they want to go. We'll put you on the spot. Yeah. What's your biggest screw up at Born Primitive? My biggest screw up so far would be the transition we just did in the UK, I would say. Um, so for, for the listeners, we, with international, the struggle always, and, I, and I'll try to keep this concise so I don't bore you with a bunch of international <laughs> jargon. Yeah, um, be very careful yeah, with that. Yeah, it, it, you'll, you'll fall asleep. Um, is that we've never, you, you, you want to look to eventually localize if possible. What I mean by that is your marketing efforts, even social media, like the who's working on the account, the, the verbiage on the website, your paid media. If you can localize the right way, there can be extreme benefits because now it feels as if you're in that country. Whereas us, we've done international expansions in a way in which a lot still runs through our HQ here at, here at Born Primitive. And in my attempt to kind of see the future of us growing and becoming a, a truly global brand, I attempted to, to localize the UK account through a third party who is a billion dollar company. And it's not like we got duped. It just, it was not the right arrangement for us. Um, so we did that transition a year, a little over a year ago. And once again, that company was great. Like they're, they do what they do, but they kind of had, they had taken over a lot of aspects that we're used to doing in house. So all of a sudden now the agility 
that we have here at Born Primitive was kind of taken out of the equation because we were relying on another party to execute things for us. And it was so slow. And there's where you get into the big corporation. They have thousands of employees. So to get something done, you submit a request. And then two weeks later, it gets done. And then you submit another request for another little thing. So it just, it, it didn't work both financially and from just a operation standpoint. So now we're kind of pulling that back in. We're, we're, we're detransitioning out and kind of consolidating to our, to our uh, EU warehouse from the, from the UK. So it, it was a learning lesson though. And like, I, once again, getting exposure to like, I was talking with their CFO, this is a billion dollar company, their CFO, some of their ops guys, there was so much professional development in there. Now, hindsight, I still would not have done the transition, but so many learning lessons where it's not a kill shot. It sucks. We debt, we lost some money. Um, but, but the development, even for our, our now, what is our international department has been so big because it, it really, and I, the way forward now, like our five-year plan internationally is to become very focused and consolidated and not try to localize just because that actually isn't what's right for, for born primitive at this moment. Now in five years, that may be the case, but it was a huge learning lesson too, of don't push too hard for an end state that I still believe that like, if, if if we were structured a little different, that that would have been the right move. But there were a lot of variables that I, I do think if I'd have ran them by a couple more people, and, and you were very supportive, which I always appreciate, like, and you did your due diligence too. And they're real, like, they work with bigger brands. Like, it's not like this was some, they'll be putting this on. Uh, yeah, man. hodgepodge company. <laughs> they'll you, be putting this on You approved it. But yeah, that, that's one I, I always, I, I lost sleep over it for a while. Cause it did, it was the first big one where I was like, Hey, there's financial implications of this. And, and, your vision didn't pan out how you wanted it to. And I once again realized like, hey, you can you can try to hide this and 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 kind of like make reasons as to why it didn't work. Or and I remember sitting with you guys and I told you like, hey guys, you and Mal, th this is not trending in the right direction. Here's the reasons why. Here's here's the general plan of how we could maybe pull out and transition. And and that sucked for me. And I remember be, like not wanting to have that conversation because it, it took a level of like, hey, this is this is on me for 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 not being able to, to bring this to life the way I want to. But yeah, that, that was a big one for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, a couple of themes there. One, like you gotta be aggressive, man. Yeah. Like if, if you want shit to change, you gotta make moves and hopefully, you know, you've seen how I do things here. Right. <laughs> so that was an example of you kind of stepping in your role and saying, all right, this is my, this is my gig. I'm going to, I'm going to optimize our international business. And this looks like a really unique opportunity. You did a bunch of due diligence and you know, it, it not, did not pan out how you wanted it to. And it came to the point where um, you finally had to Roger up and, and face the music and yeah. come tell Mal and I, and, and, you know, for anyone that's in that position, the best course of action there is just to, to man up, um, come in say, Hey, I, I fucked this up. I thought it was going to work for X, Y, Z, but we, we gotta, we gotta reset this. Um, and that's fine. And obviously we received it totally fine because yeah. I understand how dynamic that is. And it's, you know what I mean? There's no crystal ball that can tell you. You can only do so much due diligence, and then you got to take a shot at it. Yeah. Same thing with <laughs> the shoe, man. Right? <laughs> we just did a huge investment in a performance footwear. We got Born Primitive Outdoor, Born Primitive Tactical. I mean, these are things. You know, we're getting more horses in the race all the time, and they're big investments, and there is huge risk. Um, but if you just you know sit on your hands and you you don't make moves and be aggressive, nothing's going to change, right? So don't you know? Obviously. Hopefully in the future, that does not make you any less aggressive because you know how I roll and how I want you all to be. Um, I'd rather make a mistake by being too aggressive than, you know, five years from now, I'll be like, oh, man, we should have we should have tried that podcast. You know what I mean? Yep. It's like, no, we're doing it right now. And if it's two years, it's it's a dud. Then all right. All good. We tried it. You know what yeah. I mean? We went for it. Um, but that, you know, obviously we learned a ton from that. And, you know, as, a, as an American brand, I hate to say it, you know, we have a little bit of a of, of a well, we have a lot of an advantage because of the effect American culture has on international community. You know what I mean? If, if we were a brand from just some random European country to reach the U S you would have to have like a whole U S team. And you know what I mean? You would have to be marketing in a way that, you know, resonates with American culture. And what we've learned is like people really seek out American culture and American goods and even the American flag. You know what yeah. I mean? Some of these international partners were like, Hey, do you want us to take the American flag like off the sleeve or off the shorts? And they're like, no, definitely keep it. Yeah. And you're kind of like, what? And they're yeah. like, no, that's what the people want. So that gives us a little bit of a, um, 
you know, scapegoat on not having to have a super localized cultural plan for each country, because just by being an American brand, you do kind of cover it, whether like whether that's right or wrong. That's just how it is. You know, what I mean, the, how, the effects of Hollywood and American sports and this and that. It's just it is. This is how it goes. So we are in a very good position, you know, being based here that we can we can achieve that, whereas some of the other international companies that are based elsewhere to try to achieve U.S. success is very, very difficult. Because you got to, they'd have to be in the trenches. Yep. You'd have to have an American team of American people that understand the culture that, you know, replicate the playbook of that company, but do it in the in American way. Yeah, and we, we, CrossFit was a big Trojan horse for us too to get into those international countries. Like us, us having such a presence in that space, like that, that definitely gave us uh, brand recognition in these international countries that would have been we still could have established for the for the reasons you just said, but but having CrossFit definitely helped get us planted in there because obviously there's events and, and people are watching what's happening in the U.S. and yeah that that was definitely a big needle mover for us as far as those international market entries. Yeah, and it's such an interconnected community that it you know kind of blurs yeah. across border lines and yep. um, you know that absolutely was was the right space to be in in the early days. What other what other takeaways you got, Tone, from from this whole experience? And what what is the if you had a crystal bar ball, what is the what is the way ahead looking like for you? Yeah, I think as far as takeaways, it's it's be people first in all aspects of what you do, and and that that like sounds like a cliche, but if I look at my time here, like I truly. I truly always have felt like it was the people that mattered, not not even, of course, I, I'd be, I'd once again be naive to say that my success wasn't on my mind. Of course it was. And like, I was always hoping to, to grow and, and expand within this company, but I can honestly say that people were my priority here. And especially once I entered management positions, it was, I want to make sure that I'm providing them the support that they need to, to achieve success because that's what was fulfilling to me. A, a, a little bit more money, uh, a new title, that shit fades pretty quick. And what you realize is if if you if you can't be in a room with people because you've kind of stepped on them to get to where you're at, like what the hell is it all for then? So I, I say people first because my my what what is extremely fulfilling to me now is to see other individuals on a similar track. And we have a lot of examples of that where they started in customer service and then they get exposed to a a, a specialist position position. Now all of a sudden they're a senior manager and and, and that's not easy. And like, I, I, I've, I've grown through those different levels and, and each level has a unique set of issues. So when you put people first and you empower them to do that same thing, it makes this all make sense. It makes the, it makes the hard work, the grind, it makes all that make sense because you see the positive effect it's having on their life. Now, it's not all rainbows and butterflies for them either. And, and even, even in those relationships, you're going to have struggles because as a manager, you're going to have to give shitty feedback at times and you're going to have to tell them things that they don't want to hear. But if they know your intentions are pure and that you're doing it for the right reasons, you create relationships that make this make sense. Like I said before, it makes the chaos make sense. And, and to me, when I go home at night and, and I'm laying in bed and I think to like, Hey, this, this shit is chaotic. There's a lot going on. It's very dynamic. There's always a new problem set that we're trying to figure out or a new growth avenue that we're trying to take. But I can go to sleep knowing that like every conversation I've had, every interaction I've had with people that I'm, I'm thinking through their lens too of like, how can I help them, them succeed? Because it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a bamboo effect or bamboo, uh, a boomerang effect, <laughs> a boomerang effect where if you're, if you treat other people that way, once again, here comes another cliche, but it's true is that that will rebound back to you at some point. And when you need to lean on them and, and as a, as a, as a manager, as a director, as a VP, like you're leaning on people all the time, you can get people to do things for you and not in some, some, some evil way of like, I'm, I'm telling everyone what to do, but in a pure, like, Hey guys, I need help here, or this needs to get done now, or this needs to get done in the next week. People are willing willing to pony up and do that because they look at you as a leader that wasn't. It, it, you, you're not a good leader by force. You're a good leader by respect, and those are two very different things. So, yeah, the, put your people first because it's very easy to get caught up in your own self interest as you're growing through a business. And even in my role now, it's 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 something I have to even remain more conscious of because it's it's you got the cool title, you got the you, you got the you're in your own office. Well, I have two other people in there, but. Um, with no windows. Yeah, with no windows. That'll it's kind of a dungeon. Yeah. Next fall, you'll, yeah. be, you'll be living the living the highlight. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But 
but it's easy to lose yourself in that and, and start to think about yourself and, and all the responsibilities and all the hardships, not even hardships, but just just, just the, the daunting tasks in the hard situations personnel wise that you're trying to deal with. But if you lose sight of, hey, this is this is this is not only for the, the business's health, but for each individual's in here like it. You end up in a tricky spot. So, yeah, I would I would give that advice to anyone is be clear on your personal like what you want to achieve but then also be very clear on other people's and 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 make sure you're carving out the time to talk with them about that because it'll make your journey make more sense if if you're helping them along the way yeah and one little like psychological hack that helped me in military training was if you shift your focus to the well-being of 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 the dudes around you you know what i mean it you forget about your own um, misery. Yeah, it, it really works. Hundred um, percent. Now, hopefully, like in the work environment, we wouldn't say it would be misery, but if you're stressed out um, and you feel like you're, you know, you can't um, surface for air, you know what I mean? It's like if if you focus on the people that you manage and you know you're constantly concerned about their well being and their career path, um, it kind of tricks you into not realizing that you know maybe you're 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 going through some some tough times. You know what I mean? So you know having just a a people first approach will solve you know more problems than one um and uh, just something to keep in mind and for those that have not done that try it because you'll be you'll be amazed at how quickly you forget about um the own shit that you have going on um, yeah and then I, I think alongside of that that should that that's a huge that's a huge kind of uh beacon for me to always make sure i'm i'm, I'm working towards but then also humility like i i genuinely think if there's one value or one trait that embodying is a superpower it's it's humility because no matter what scenario you find yourself in it is a kill shot to think you know more than you actually do like we discussed earlier and if you approach every every situation with curiosity and humility it it really does it it makes you so relatable that i think you will get to you will get to solutions and you will be able to solve problems so much quicker because you become so much more receptive and and people feel the openness that you carry when you have a high level of humility that they're no longer there's no divide between you and others and it relates actually to the the people first stuff too is that people sense that they sense if you have a high level of humility because if you think you have it all figured out that shuts down people's ability to approach you with things and and as a leader extremely important that you have you have the the not even you, that others have the avenues in which to call out your blind spots because we all have them. And like that can be a lack in a lack in skill. That can be a lack of experience. And if you have nobody that's comfortable calling out your blind spots, you're going to get your knees cut out from underneath you. And like the, the world has its way to, 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 to quiet you down. And if you don't have other people to kind of be the, the canary in the cool mind for you, you can end up in a tricky spot sometimes. So humility, I, I really believe that when people feel like they can connect to you and that they, they're, they're comfortable bringing you things, that, that will give you those warning signs way before some significant event has to happen that, that really humbles you. So yeah, those, those are the two that I think are, are, are very zoomed out but can go a long way in, in making you successful in whatever kind of endeavor you find yourself on. Yeah, I mean, no matter what you're doing, being humble yeah. should be in there you know what i mean nobody nobody wants that arrogant dude who just wants everyone to know how cool he is you know and, um all right i want to put you on the spot mm -hmm. so we got four new horses in the race we got we, we got born primitive you know the the the, the parent brand mm -hmm. already in the race that's our that's our thoroughbred right you know what i mean that's our lead lead horse we got born primitive outdoor we got born primitive tactical we got the savage one training shoe launching September 14th, by the way, depending on when this airs, right? And then this, which is a little bit of a wild card, but we have the Born Primitive podcast, right? Those four new horses in the race looking at a crystal ball mm -hmm. next few years, what do you think has the biggest potential? Putting you on the spot. Well, th this gives us, I'll start with the podcast. Don't get political on me now. I, I want a real answer. I will, yeah, I will, yeah, all right, I all right. I, I want to start though with the podcast because I think, and, and you and I discussed this when we initially were thinking about bringing this to life uh, alongside Ironclad is this people want to relate to to the brands and the companies that they're buying things from. They, they want gone are the days of this kind of hacky marketing where you can convince people to drink Coca-Cola because you got someone cool on TV holding a Coca-Cola. Like I truly think as as humans, we've we've been exposed to so much digital media and so much 
online stuff and TV stuff that like that is dead. Like people want to know now that if they're buying from you, they want to believe in what you're doing. So the podcast, I bring that up because I think this is going to give, and, and who knows, people may hate our personalities, but <laughs> but if nothing else, this gives something real for people to know who we are. And, and, and I don't want to say we speak for all of our employees here, but it gives us an opportunity to connect with people in a way that you can't do through traditional marketing efforts. Now, that's going to be a part of our business plan, of course, but that that it, it is evolving and in, in the, the, the digital space is shifting. And now more than ever, you have to have that loyalty. You have to have the, the, the people ability to put a face to your company in order for them to continue to purchase from you. I, I really do believe that. So I see this in best case scenario, the podcast being that exact thing is this will take us to a level where people may have heard of Born Primitive, but now they see the guests we have on, they see the conversations between you and I, and, and hopefully they start putting a face to it of like, hey, this is, these are people and this is a company I really vibe with outside of our values, which we're already, I think that's what's got us to here. And that's, uh, it's, it's, it's uh, an amazing kind of, or a huge pillar of our success are those, the patriotic, like the, the giving back to charities, the first responders, billing, being willing to lean into that. But now this gives another layer to really feel like there's a face and there's voices behind Born Primitive. And I think that could be a huge step in, in kind of us reaching people that we may not have before. So that's kind of the podcast. That's obviously more of a slow play. Um, so th to, to, to answer your question, I see that is when I'm looking at little ripples being able to expand out, that one's huge for me. Like I, I, th I really think this, this is an avenue that we, we needed to get in, not needed, but like that was long overdue because for the, for the reasons I just mentioned, it gives, it gives a more of a personality to the brand from a, if, if from a purely financial standpoint, I think tactical could be the the next big thing. And I think shoes and I think um, outdoor are, I see those two kind of simultaneous where the shoe game now, and I'm just being honest, is a little bit saturated. Now, I would say that's more the running shoe market. So we find ourselves in more of a niche of like a training shoe, a shoe or a true like cross trainer. So there is a little less competition there. But similar to the podcast, I see that more as a long-term thing. We, we need to build, we need to build trust. We need to build or let people know that like, hey, we're a real player in this game. And that over time will be kind of its own monster within Born Primitive. And the outdoors like that too. The outdoor, as you know, we, I mean, we've been exposed to that community now is a very niche community. And we, we like Western hunting alongside Aaron Snyder, and then just the, your general outdoor enthusiast as well. You have to build trust within that community as well. Why I think tactical could be the next big one is, and, and we just discussed it yesterday, the government contracting and stuff behind that. Like there are, the, there's the ability to get into relationships and get in and, and start doing some, uh, some bids or some contracts that make numbers look, or the numbers look a little different at that level. And with our brand ethos, who we are and who you've, uh, you from day one until now have, have kind of upheld as our company values, it literally could not correlate better to another space. So if we're able, and, and I think we already have, if we nail the product and people start to recognize, oh, that's the born primitive that has always stood for these things without, without any wavering, that could make us a player in that game where the numbers start to get a little, you start to add some zeros to the numbers as far as those government contracts and, and these big bid orders that come in. So yeah, that, that's kind of that, that one I think is more immediate outdoor shoes a little bit, um, uh, slower. And then same with the podcast, it's, it's less of just a financial, like, Oh, this is where we're projecting and more of a slow play of like, Hey, let's give this thing life. Let's give it more of a personality, some humility, some vulnerability so that people can relate to the brand. Yeah, I think the exciting part about the podcast is it gives us the opportunity to elaborate on the brand values a little bit. It goes way deeper, right, than, than some 90-second brand anthem we make where we write a script and do a voiceover. Like the typical stuff, yeah. we can go much deeper, um, and it gives us a, a, a longer forum to do that. And, you know, I think part of what ultimately made us go over the edge and do this was because, for, at least from my optic, looking at athletic apparel brands, none of them, I'm kind of confident saying none, I felt reflected the values that I have as a man, mm -hmm. right? It, it, it was just this watered down kind of typical, I mean, you have like the Nikes of the world, like it's a really cool brand, but like, or what do you actually stand for? Oh, 
you stand for banning the flag of the American Revolution, right? You're Nike. You're the biggest athletic apparel brand on the planet. And you're going to ban the flag of the American Revolution as an American brand. Are you kidding me? Mm -hmm. That's the type of shit that I see that pisses me off. And that's why we've had the ethos we've had from day one. We won't waver from them because there aren't enough brands that are actually resonating with the everyday American, right? There's, there's nothing wrong with the flag of the American Revolution. There's nothing insensitive about that. And if you think that, you're fucking insane, right? So that's the opportunity. We On this podcast, we can get into things like that. Now, I don't want to get like too political because I think people are just they're sick of politics. So hopefully it just be good life shit, good takeaways. But there will be some hard lessons and some hard opinions that, you know, we're going to draw that line in the sand and say, hey, here's who we are. Take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. So that's why I think the podcast is exciting because I can finally kind of go there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and, uh, you know, looking at the shoe, I know you think that's going to maybe be a slow burn. But on the same thread of what I was just saying, there's some unique shit coming to 2024 that will be so born primitive when people see it, they're going to say, hell yeah. Mm. Right. So I might have just tipped my hand. <laughs> if you can connect Plan the seeds, dots of yeah. what I just said yeah. to now as it pertains to shoes. Okay, that that so that's the opportunity. So Tony, I, I got I got to push back. I think the the Savage One training shoe, when we put our born primitive spin on it, and obviously the the shoe as it is right now is freaking awesome. But when you get into the theme of our brand and what we can do, I think people are going to be. Um, we'll say this: buckle your seatbelt because yeah. twenty twenty four. There's a lot of cool things in the works uh, for the Savage One, uh, and then you know with tactical, one of the main motivators for that was. Not only was the gear we were getting issued in the military not very good, particularly on the clothing side, but what a lot of guys didn't realize is the brands that were issuing this gear did not like tattooed guys wearing body armor going overseas, right, and, and what that stood for. It was like they were happy to take the government contract and make millions of dollars off of us in, 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 you know, in what, what that gear would be used for you know, just to serve our country. Yet you know, publicly they're... They're not all about what we do. And it made me so mad that we were, you know, the government was funding, funneling all these money to these companies that didn't even like what we were doing for a living. You know what I mean? Not patriotic at all, actually anti, the opposite. And I'm kind of sitting there getting this issued gear, like, why are we repping these brands? They hate us. They hate everything we stand for. You know what I mean? And the gear sucks. You know what I mean? It's, you can't move in it. it, it the, the fit is, it, you know, is horrible. You know what I mean? So, like, as we break down each one of those, there, there's, a, there's a backstory and a reason why we, why we got those horses in the race. But it definitely, um, as this plays out, it'll be really interesting to see, you know, if you're placing your bets. If this is, if this is the Kentucky Derby, I'm saying the um, Born Primitive is 5 to 2 odds, Tactical 9 to 1, Shoe 11 to 1 podcast a 19 to one but <laughs> a, an up-and-coming thoroughbred that you know it yeah, could, yeah. could shock you yeah. know what i mean and then what i leave out outdoor outdoor 16 to one yeah those are those are the odds we're we're somewhat aligned yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're, we're, we're maybe close. you get that trifecta you yeah. know what i mean yeah. You, yeah. what would that be 200 to one yeah but um no it's it's exciting man and you know i just figured to have a little fun put you on the spot yeah. because no, obviously like you know we're every year i tell the employees a year from now this place is going to look completely different in in the time you're here has that ever been wrong no ever yeah and they don't believe me i'm like just get wait a year guys you know obviously next year we'll be in the new facility um and you know with all the things that are going on there and then all these business uh, units that we're standing up we'll have a little bit of life by then um and we'll be able to step back and i definitely think i'll i'll definitely have screwed up a few of those you know what i mean just, <laughs> we'll have to pivot yeah uh, on probably what we thought the vision was going to be um it's not going to go perfect but um it makes us more more dynamic uh as a company and um gives us you know raises our chances of being able to be successful as an organization so yeah and they all make sense together there is there's definitely a thread there where I, I i like as much as it does feel like we spread ourselves thin thin at times and we do uh, admittedly like it, it it's coming together where not only can you get your fitness gear but then outdoor which which is another space that's booming now people are kind of moving back to, to activities like that and then obviously the the tactical side is near and dear to you and then we all have training shoes so yeah, yeah, they, 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 all, they all make sense together. Any other words of wisdom, Tone, you want to get off your chest before we close her out? No. Uh, recognize your opportunities. Seize it. Uh, have a high level of humility in the way you approach it. And, yeah, know, know 
know when those opportunities arise in within that environment. And then like you said earlier, it's there will be times to pivot and there will be times where it's it's time to to move on and go somewhere else. Uh, but make sure you've you you've sat in those and and I think I think sitting sitting in the chaos or even sitting in a shitty job and, and still doing it with a high level integrity is important because that that builds that builds a a, a a kind of willpower in you that when things are starting to go good, then it's like you're on super juice. Then it's like you you've you've been in the trenches. You you've you've worked through those demons and and both internally and externally of like holding yourself to 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 that high level of integrity, regardless of what what your environment looks like. And the your environment's going to ebb, ebb and flow as far as sometimes it's going to be rosy, other times it's going to be a fucking garbage dump and if you become a beacon that regardless of what that looks like, either on the, the far end of the good spectrum or the far end of the shitty spectrum, you build that internal willpower and that resiliency, you're going to become such a valuable asset to any environment you find yourself in that not only will you never have a, an issue finding a job, but you will be celebrated for the right reasons by the right people. And to me, that, that, that builds a confidence that seeps into every part of your life. To me, it's really damn simple, man. You hit the nail on the head. Be humble and work your fucking butt off. Yeah. That's it. It's that simple. You know what I mean? And recognize that there's going to be a significant period of time where it's going to suck. You know what I mean? And you have to be patient. You have to persevere. And there will be greatness on the other end of that. But as we said, there's too many people that want that instant gratification right off the bat. Nothing in the real world works that way. Right? So, so... So, you know, gear up, gear up your mind and, and know um, that that's what it takes um, and then apply yourself and what, good things will happen and, and, and know that, you know, nothing is given. It has to be earned. And I think I think there you, you just sparked something in my head is like before all of this stuff on your environment of like finding an opportunity or managing the right way or even even speaking the right way and carrying a level of confidence. It's like take care of your shit first. And what I mean by that is. How are you sleeping? How are you eating? How are you? How are your relationships? How are, how 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 are you moving? Like, if those things aren't squared away, and, and you're not going to be perfect, there's going to be one that's a little little better, one that's a little out of balance. If those things aren't squared away to a to to at least some degree, how can you expect to influence people in a positive way if you're not taking care of yourself? So that's another huge takeaway. Is like. Yes, if you find your reality not what you want, go internal. And and there's it, there are times where things need shuffled around in reality in your external environment. But I have found, and this is just my own personal opinion, ninety percent of the time there's something out of balance in me. If I'm not getting what I want from reality, it's not. The, yes, there are situations where reality is not getting you what you want because it, it's fucked up. But ninety percent of the time, I find it's myself. And and when you start to dial those things in and you find time for rest, you find times to get after it. You, you're eating the right foods. You're consuming the right media, which is a huge part too. It's like you find a balance in yourself that then perpetuates through your reality. And that's when opportunities, it's, it's interesting how more opportunities will arise then the right people you'll start to surround yourself with. And, and, and that will change your reality as much as trying to shuffle things around on, on your external will. So yeah, that's, that's another little rant for me is, is turn it personal, uh, point the finger at yourself, refuse to be a victim and, and take responsibility for those things that get overlooked at times. Like, and we've talked about it, like to me, food, what you're drinking, what you're eating is such a huge part of the energy you're going to bring to any environment you're in. And you'll blame a hundred fucking things before you finally realize like, oh, I can't drink 20 beers every night of the weekend, <laughs> eat hamburgers all, all night, and then feel show up at work on Monday with an energy that's going to allow me to influence people in a positive way. So yeah, th those things are all contributors and don't convince yourself otherwise, because then you're always going to be pointing the finger looking for external things to change without ever looking at the, the three fingers pointing back at you, uh, uh, realizing that it was, it was tweaks you need to make. It ain't rocket science, man, right? But you are right. you got to get yourself squared away before you can be elite really in anything. Well, cool, Tone. Well, hey, it's cool uh, hearing your story. Well, obviously, I guess talking through your story. Yeah, I yeah. kind of knew it. But but really cool to see you ascend here. And, and obviously, I'm excited to see 
um, this this crazy thing born from it, how it plays out. And I know you're going to play an integral role in that. And, and hopefully five years from now, we can laugh uh, about this setup. I know we keep looking back at yeah. where we were a few years ago. You know, we talked about like the Dominican trip and just how ridiculous that was like, when there was nine of us. And then we, you know, just the, the, the continued ascension that, that we've we've had going on here. I think it's, it's going to be a really exciting ride and um, so glad to have you a part of it. And just uh, on an admin note, guys, I hope you got something out of that. And um, like I've, I've said on a few of the other episodes, if you guys could like and subscribe and rate us five stars on the different platforms you're watching, uh, that will really help us out uh, on the charts. We have broken into the charts and we're doing really well there, which is really exciting because this was a bit of a leap of faith to do this and we're having a lot of fun. Uh, additionally, if there are topics you guys want us to cover, we definitely want to do episodes that are just purely Q&A without I don't want any notice of what they're going to be so Tony's just going to shotgun me with them and we're going to just you know go down rabbit holes so if there are random topics you want us to cover please shoot us a DM and those will get forwarded to us and you know we can't guarantee we'll take every question but but in the future some of the episodes that's all we're going to do and I think that'll be a good change of pace and we'll have you know timestamps in the comments if you just want to skip one you can go right to it um, that way, if it's a question that doesn't resonate with you, you don't have to listen through 10 minutes of me ranting about something, something that, that you don't want me to talk about. Uh, so thank you guys so much for tuning in and we will catch you on the next episode. Thanks guys.